This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is sponsored by audible.com. Audible has over 150,000 audiobooks to choose from. Fiction, nonfiction, bestsellers, and every category imaginable. And unlike a streaming or rental service, with Audible, you own your books. So to go to audiblepodcast.com slash bookriot for a free 30-day trial and to let them know we send you. This is the Book Riot Podcast, a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. This is episode 67, and we're recording on Friday, August 22nd. I'm Jeff O'Neill. I'm here with Rebecca Shinsky. We're the editors of bookriot.com. And for the first time ever, I flubbed my first chance at the the read. You didn't hear that. You really uh, are usually one take Bartlett. Yeah, but boy, I really gagged it up there, which means we're in late August. We, it, Man, it is the dog days. It really is. Though the weather's been spectacular here in New York, you can feel sort of a August is the Sunday afternoon of summer and there's Ugh. sort of a deflation and relaxation, but also a not wanting to deal with yeah. September, which is the Monday morning of the year for sure. It, for sure it is. My dog has been asleep on my bedroom floor all day with her head various degrees buried under my bed. And I just keep thinking, yep, mm-hmm, that's it. That's, that's what I want. There it is. <laughs> Can I get down there too? Can we record the show with me under the bed? Yeah, that's in the should, dark. Maybe cool an in ear podcast mic would would solve that problem. Oh, yes. um, Future girl will have that someday. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're doing follow up, but we're changing the name of follow up to um, I, told I told you, you so. so uh, when we're right about something. So <laughs> at some in some past show, we were talking about how Amazon hadn't had a huge hit in one of its new bookish initiatives recently. I don't know if Amazon Prime in terms of the video or music stuff has been great, but on the reading side, they really haven't had a huge hit since, you know, the Kindle essentially. Um, And one of the things we talked about was Kindle World, which if you'll remember is the platform licensing agreement basket of things that makes licensed fan fiction possible over there where they bought licenses or made licenses available to some known properties. Right. Like you, you can could write, write your vampire diaries, fanfic, yes. and then sell it and it not be illegal. Right. And the creator, the rights holder, I guess, are not necessarily the same person or entity gets a percentage, but it's authorized. And so there's a there was a a story in Giga Om this week about how it's a bust so far. And who knows how long they'll keep it going, but it's been open for a year. And to date there have only been five hundred and thirty eight stories submitted in the whole thing. Which by any measure, doesn't seem great. Yeah, that's not great, Bob. And then sales not mentioned at all right. because Amazon doesn't talk about that. Right. Big surprise there. It's another <laughs> black box. Yeah, at LeakyCon, there was a lot of talk about fanfic and the you know the upsides of fan fiction and how it's great and freeing to communities and sort of that fun that's involved in taking a character or a world that you love and imagining it in a new way or mashing up characters and worlds that you love and putting them together in ways that they would never be put together before. And I wonder if just something about this, not only just the way that the program works and the limited offerings of what's licensed, but something about the notion of having to work within a set of constraints for fan fiction, which is all about not having constraints, Mm -hmm. um, if this runs contrary to that community-based feeling. And fan fiction has, to a large to a large degree, existed outside of, for legal reasons, mostly the world of getting compensated for your work. Right. So perhaps that compensation component isn't worth whatever, you know, freedom you have to give right, up. Say, to yeah. have to work with the characters that are available, and I would guess by definition, the ones most interested in making their characters available are the ones with the least to lose because no one's writing fan fiction about it. If that yeah. makes any kind of sense. And just for a point of comparison, on fanfiction.net, fans posted 100 new stories every hour. Have you ever been on fanfiction.net? I have. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to say about it that would not get an FCC flag. Um, but if you are 
ever in the mood to see the great strangeness of the internet in its full blossom, I encourage you to go to fanfiction. No, I don't encourage you to go. I, I say that as a thing you could do. <laughs> you, could, <laughs> you could go to fanfiction.net. I actually follow a fa- fanfiction underscore TXT, which that Twitter account, they just like tweet random sentences from actual fanfiction that's been submitted. And it is a Dali-esque surreal experience um, that's about as close as I want yeah. to get to actual hallucination. I, I, I think some of it is really great too and to see just how fans have taken characters that they love and, and done new things. For sure some of it is strange. Uh, but it's way more. A hundred new stories per hour in the yes. same time period that it took Kindle Worlds to get 538 stories total. Yeah. Um, Can't possibly be legal fanfiction.net or a lot of things on there. I don't, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. As yeah. It's, you probably uh, deduced. They're not the, selling it. It's experimental. Well, I, don't, I don't think, it doesn't matter if you don't sell it, right? Yeah, I think it just really depends on how uh, litigious or not yes, the publisher right. and the author are. And many of the creators of the kinds of works that are having a lot of fan fiction written about them see it as a boon to have that many people writing pieces that are inspired by your work. And so they don't pursue it because they think it's awesome, which is cool. Could be, yeah. But at any rate, um, a robust fan fiction community out there and as the piece has sort of made sense for Kindle Worlds, but I think maybe they have fundamentally understood the motivations behind most fan fiction. We'll see. Who knows? Perhaps in a year we can do a I told you so corner and it'll be (laughs) Jeff Bezos on here telling me so. Uh, Let's do our sponsor. Audible is back this week. Uh, Audible has more than 150,000 audiobook titles to choose from. Fiction, nonfiction, bestsellers, business, mystery, thriller, romance, whatever you can think of. Uh, Unlike a streaming or rental service with Audible, you own the books. uh, With whatever plan you get, you download and keep uh, every audiobook that you get every month. They have free apps for your iPhone, Android, Windows phones. You can listen to them on more than 500 different types of devices and MP3 players anytime. You can take your audiobooks anywhere. Um, I'm a listen while walking the dog and while driving to run errands and while doing dishes person. You listen while you're walking places Mm -hmm. a lot and doing household chores. We established last week that I don't listen while I'm doing laundry because I don't really do. (laughs) Doing (laughs) laundry is a, uh, it's a loose use of the word for you. (laughs) Right. Um, If you go to audiblepodcast.com slash book riot, you'll get a free 30 day trial and a free audiobook download. And that'll let them know that we sent you. Um, Audible has just tons of great features. They also have excellent customer service. If you start listening to an audiobook and you discover, like I did recently, that you downloaded the wrong audiobook because multiple books have the same title, you can let them know and you will return that book and get a new one. It has chapter navigations. You can bounce back and forth, annotated bookmark options. And a thing that I think is really cool that I wish that I could try, but I don't have a Kindle Fire HD. So if one of you does, please do this. There's an immersion reading option where you can listen and read at the same time. And it highlights the text as you go along, which is a thing that I would love for something Hmm. like for Shakespeare. I've been feeling deficient in the Shakespeare parts and I would really like to read more Shakespeare, but I know I'm not going to convince myself to just sit down and do it and think about all that language. But I remember from school that it was really useful when my English teachers would play a tape of like a famous actor reading the parts of Shakespeare as we read the text along. And so you can have that experience for yourself. You can recreate that with the immersion reading feature on the Kindle Fire HD for Audible. Please somebody try that. That would be excellent if you're learning a language, it seems to it me. It would. I, I should or, try it with English, see if I can get the sucker nailed or down. if you have difficulties with comprehension. I can think of like classroom-ish mm. applications for this, but also just normal reading life applications. I think that sounds pretty exciting. I like that. I like that a great deal. Um, should we talk about what we're... Yeah, what are you listening to? Right well, I, I mentioned it last week, and it's 19 hours long, so unsurprisingly, I'm <laughs> so still on it. We're going to hear about it for a while. Yeah, uh, Short History of Everything by Bill Bryson. I'm still on it. I'm almost. I'm actually a few hours fr- from the end. Um, it's a really good summertime read. I, I don't know. It, it's kind of like I'm now sufficiently old enough that college is way back there, and I was in the natural sciences for a while, very interested in this stuff. I've largely forgotten a lot, a lot of it. But this is, it takes kind of like 
Bryson basically said, I, I woke up one day and realized I didn't know anything about anything, like why the sky is blue, like what's the deal with light. So wait, dinosaurs were real, but then where they go and how old is the earth and how does space travel work and all these sorts of things. So he kind of, he spent three years basically trying to educate himself as a generalist in all of these branches of science um, and find out the history of how things were discovered and how we found out things um, as well and use those kind of the history of science as a way of explaining what we know about the universe and life and everything. So I thought I got a couple of tidbits that I thought you would find interesting that that should, if you're the kind of person to be interested, this will interest you in the book. So Yellowstone, the national park, mm-hmm. I've never been there. I'd like to go there someday. There are more geysers and hot springs in Yellowstone than in the rest of the world combined. Whoa. More than 10,000. That's a lot of geysers. Yeah. And the actual, I don't remember what it's called. It's some sort of magma plume that, that feeds all of that energy is actually stationary. And the, earth, and the tectonic plate over it is moving um, at, the, at the pace of about two yards per human lifetime towards California. Okay. So in, you know, 100 million years, Yellowstone will actually be in Montana. Huh. Yeah, it'll just sort of slowly um, move and all the way through. Are you like telling Michelle all of these things as you You, go? you better. You, <laughs> our texts have been the nerdiest um, conversations of I, all time. Yeah, I do the same thing with nonfiction and I'm listening to... Were you, was that your last I'm done. tidbit? I, okay, I've got I don't a wanna... more, but I, there's only, we have to cap this at nine to 12 hours. So right. I better stop. you can send me nerdy texts too. Um, I'm listening to Think Like a Freak by Stephen J. Dubner and Stephen Levitt, who wrote the Freakonomics books. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are all about interesting findings that they've had about cultural and social and economic phenomena by applying principles of economic research. And so the, the books are things like how the Roe versus Wade decision in the 70s uh, led to lower crime rates or affected lower crime rates in the 90s, how incentivizing teachers or tying teachers' jobs and security to the performances of standardized testing negatively impacts students' performances. Like there's all kinds of interesting and uh, maybe counterintuitive or surprising results that they found. And certainly not everyone agrees with their methods, but it's really, really interesting. And after the, after the two books, Freakonomics and Super Freakonomics, they got a zillion questions from people with other uh, things that they wanted them to explore. And they're like, well, we can't possibly answer all of your questions. We can't conduct all of these experiments. So what if we just taught people to think the way that we do? So the book is about thinking about thinking, which rings a whole bunch of my bells. That sounds, we should do a podcast <laughs> about that. Yeah. It rings a whole bunch of my bells all at once, but they talk about how do you restructure your thought process so that you can answer questions and get to like get to a place where you can be the kind of thinker who gets these unexpected or surprising answers rather than going with what seems obvious or what seems intuitive or what you feel is right. Um, I'm only about an hour into it. The first chapter is about the value of saying, I don't know. And how uh, even in research that goes way back, if you read little kids a story about a thing that happened and then you ask them some comprehension questions and you throw in some items that they couldn't possibly answer because that information wasn't in the story, they will still, like 76% of them, will still confidently select one of the options rather than mm. selecting the I don't know option. And so we're. it seems like either we're born with or we culturally acquire at a really young age that fake it till you make it bit of you know, acting like you know the thing, even when you don't know the thing. So it's about not just learning to say, I don't know out loud, but learning to sit with the acknowledgement that really you don't know, mm. um, rather than grasping for the stuff that you do know to try to make a guess. How do you instead gather data and come up with a real answer to a thing? It's really interesting. Um, the po- I think if I... I may be getting this wrong. I think that book is also, some of it is transcriptions or reworkings of some of their podcast episodes, if my memory serves. I remember reading about this. If it is or isn't, it doesn't matter, but their podcast is also very good. Yeah, the podcast is great. Um, If some of it is repeat material or reworkings of podcasts, they haven't stated that. And I also haven't Uh, gotten to any, I haven't gotten to anything in the book that feels uh, repetitive from that, but 
Yeah, so I, I wasn't trying to use that as a besmirchment yeah, rather no, than just thinking, reminding me yeah. that the podcast is right, good. Th- and to yeah, mention, their podcast is good. Um, yeah. But I'll let you, I can let you know next week if yeah. any of it actually is um, a repeat. That wouldn't be surprising. They've covered a lot of the same ground before, but I think they do a good job of avoiding what I think of as the Malcolm Gladwell problem where like his are just repetitive examples toward the same point. These mm-hmm. guys are pretty good about making each chapter really about a different thing. Uh, so if I start asking you a bunch of strange questions in the next couple of weeks, you're going to know where that's coming from. Um, Rebecca did something this week that I think you might find shocking for us uh, and unexpected and possibly disappointing real research. <laughs> um, why don't you tell, we talked last week about um, HarperCollins partnering with high profile independent bookstores. Mm-hmm. That phrase sticks in my mind for its peculiarity, but um where you would buy a hardcover of the book there and you would get credit or a, uh, I guess, access to a discounted ebook. And okay, you, I'll, I'll leave it there. So you went and tried it. Politics I went and pros, and tried you called it. them, well, went. Metaphor. Yeah, I tried actually. I called a couple of the participating stores and I looked at the websites for all of the participating stores. And um, I was looking at The Queen of the Tearling by Erica Johansson, which is one of the eligible titles. And the first thing that I noticed was that I couldn't find, when I started looking for this early this week, I couldn't find any information about this pilot bundling program anywhere on any of the websites for the indie stores. And then when I searched. Bad job. Yeah. Um, but they are in that piece that we ran last week. There are prominent displays in the stores with these titles on them. So this is a thing they're pushing, hopefully, to the walk-in customers of the bookstore itself, but not really on the web, which is too bad because that's a more limited group of potential buyers if you just look at your store. Um, when I searched on the web, on the various stores' websites for Queen of the Tearling, the only book that came up was just the normal one that's listed and there was nothing on those individual product pages about this program either. So I called a couple of the stores and said, are you participating in this thing? I read about it online to the store's credit. Every bookseller that I talked to knew about the thing and was able to answer questions about it. Um, and so I learned that it's not the regular edition of the book that HarperCollins has printed new editions of the titles that are eligible for this program. And they have separate distinct ISBNs. So you have to make sure you're buying the copy of the book that has the correct participating bundle ISBN. So then I went back and emailed the web order person at one of the stores and was like, hey, I'd like to order this from you because I don't live in your city. (laughs) There's not a participating (laughs) store in my city. How do I place this web order? Um, and they had to give me the they had to give me the ISBN. I had to search specifically for the ISBN on the store's website because the title still did not pull up the bundle one. Um, and so, Queen of the Tearling, I got there. Queen of the Tearling is normally priced at twenty six ninety nine in hardcover. The bundle is thirty one ninety nine. So it's a five dollar ebook edition. Mm. which is a discount from what major publishers often charge for front list eBooks, but it's not a cheap eBook as eBooks go. Mm-hmm. Um, and my plan was to place the web order, get the book in my hands within the next couple of days and see what came with it and then go through the eBook purchasing process. But by the time that I put the thirty one ninety nine book plus bundle option in my shopping cart and then plugged in shipping and tax, it was going to be 39 and mm. change. Mm. <laughs> So already I'm not stoked about this. Um, the good news is that if you buy the thing, the ebook is readable on um, not just the Bookshout app. You, you're not locked into the Bookshout app or to the HarperCollins e-reading app. It works on any Android-based app. And like the Kobo app is Android-based. So if you have a Kobo app on your ah, iPad or your iPhone. Great. Yeah, you could do that. So that's a good thing. But... I'm generally now concerned about how how much of a, an accurate measure for bundling this is going to be because like the separate ISBNs is confusing and they're not yes. listed on the website. The $5 is not a super great price for for bundling. Um, you know, test it out with free and see what kind of traction. <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking. I'm, um, the ebook for The Queen of the Tearling, this is on Amazon, I just clicked mm-hmm. the link, is 10 bucks. So you're right. getting a half price ebook. But there. you have to like really want the bundle to pay the full hardcover price 
and five bucks for the ebook. Um, so and, what would you, what would you, what what price would have you been pleasantly or pleased with? Three ninety three bucks two one two dollars. I think two ninety nine. Two ninety nine. Because two ninety nine seems to be the upper end of like an ebook deal, right? Uh, yeah, depend. I mean, the recency definitely matters. But um, in doing deals up right dot com stuff recently, like one ninety nine, two ninety nine feels like a deal. Like I'll do, I'll put a five ninety nine one up there if it's like. Uh, a volume of comics, a digital volume mm. of comics, like Joe Hill's Lock and Key was available for $6 um, on Kindle last week, and that felt deal-worthy. But yeah, five ninety nine or four ninety nine, I guess, for an ebook. Yeah. Like, I guess if it was a new release, I would put it on there. Like, like if, if we're talking about full hardcover price, then I think two ninety nine for the ebook would work for me. Someone's already bought the hardcover right, right. there. Plus making the mechanics of the program yeah. work better. Like that it's not listed on the website, that it's not the same ISBN somehow. Like this confuses me for if you walk into one of these participating bookstores and you pick the queen of the tierling up off the shelves instead of off the display mm-hmm. about the bundling program, are you even going to know it was eligible for the bundle? You're not going to be able to get the bundle because it's the normal ISBN, not the special bundled. ISBN, like it seems that they're missing out on a lot of potential data they could collect about how this works and the amount of interest that people have in it or don't have in it. Maybe monkeying with the price points and doing some maybe mm-hmm. testing. Like I don't, I don't know. It's my fear here. Like I don't want to be down on it because I'm super glad that Harper Collins is even trying things. But my fear is that the mechanics of the program are not great, but that the publisher and the participating stores will take the results from this, which are... See, people don't want it because right, look exactly. what we did and right, no one got right. it. Right, And then it'll, right. Be, it'll be assumed that the results aren't great because there's no interest when actually there are other factors. Right. Um, well, and also you're buying it full list price, right? It right. was $26.99. That was, that's what the hardcover goes uh-huh. for. I mean, it does feel like, and again, probably they couldn't do this, but it seems like if you're paying full hardcover price, you should maybe you should get it for two ninety one ninety nine two ninety nine. Like you're already paying. Let's see what what is it going? It's going for seventeen dollars and seven cents hardcover on Amazon. So you're you're already paying ten dollars more for the hardcover by buying it at the indie. Mm-hmm. A further subsidy of the ebook doesn't seem outrageous to me. Uh, all things considered. I, I think how we really want it to work, and tell me if you agree with this, you're at the bookstore, you're ringing up the hardcover, and they're like, would you like to add the ebook for three bucks? Yeah. Right? Right. And you can say no or yeah, put it on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll get ho- I'll go home and download it. Right. Um, and the, like, the code is printed on your receipt Yeah. or something. like. I think what they're getting at with these separate ISBNs is trying to prevent people from getting downloads of the book at a discount who haven't bought the hardcover. So they're tying the special edition ISBNs to the bundle. And I get that reworking your POS at the cash wrap in a bookstore is not an easy thing to do when we're talking about like just reprogram it and put it on the receipt. (laughs) Right. Get some coders. But like someone (laughs) who's smarter than we are should be able to figure that out. Right. Like how you can generate a a bunch of one-time use discount or free ebook download codes that get printed on receipts for things. A listener, Tim Moon uh, tweeted at me uh, a solution that is already in use in this sort of situation. And those are those gift cards you can buy that mm-hmm. have scratch off numbers on mm-hmm. the back. Mm-hmm. Do that. Put those, you could put those on the inside flap. You scratch off the thing and there's your code and you go punch it in and yeah. there you go. And so if you go to buy a book and the yeah. code is scratched off, then you know to, that. Right. Go give dishon- it to the register. Yeah, right. and say Some dishonest person did the scratch off, stole the ebook. That seems like a pretty elegant solution to me. Um, yeah, that's not the worst idea. No, I've heard lots worse. I've had many worse um, already today. <laughs> we had bad ideas for like an hour yeah. before we started the podcast today. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so, well, thanks for doing that follow-up. I think, I'm not sure that's a bucket of uh, cold water, but it's certainly not. Um, yeah, it's like I kind of dipped my toes in and it it's not inviting not inviting okay yeah if you tried this at one of these participating stores and had a better experience or other thoughts or whatever uh shoot us an email podcast at bookriot.com 
All right, we're going to do um, kind of a speed round of, of uh, nuggets here. Um, <laughs> Laura Ingalls Wilder, her memoir, super timely, Laura. Um, <laughs> I know we we're all just on the seat of our pants uh, waiting for Laura Ingalls Wilder's memoir to come out. I don't know. Why is this coming out now? I'm not entirely sure. And just just if they have it? Or they maybe- have it, and they have decided to publish it. I guess people love the books. Do do people have enough um, Laura Ingalls Wilder mojo? Yeah, they do. I would read the heck out of this. You did. I guess what's interesting is this was kind of her life that she wrote about, right? Yeah, House on the Prairie stuff. And maybe they're banking on nostalgia, and I think that's a good safe bet. Um, I can clearly remember getting the box set of the Little House on the Prairie books, I think for my eighth birthday or ninth birthday. I can picture, like, I'm seeing the covers in my head while we're talking and reading all of those and just being fascinated by what that life was like. And those are presented as, you know, mostly stories about the children in the family, which is great if you're a young reader. Um, So maybe this goes into mm. more of a grown-up life. It's called Pioneer Girl, the Annotated Autobiography, and it's an unedited draft that was written for an adult audience and then served as the foundation for a series. Uh, down apparently, for the- Wilder's daughter tried to get it published in the 1930s but didn't have any luck. Well, and it has some not-safe-for-children stories, like oh. um, some storylines about domestic abuse. Oh, no. Love triangles gone awry. And mm-hmm. <laughs> wait, wait for it. This is like the darkest timeline of my possible life outcomes. Mm-hmm. A man who lit himself on fire while drunk off whiskey. <laughs> uh, well, that, you know, I'm moving that up the TBR. <laughs> is it drunk off whiskey or drunk on whiskey? <laughs> I think once you've gotten to the point to which you can set yourself on fire, the preposition seems irrelevant um, to me. That's maybe <laughs> that's that, maybe, fair. Maybe that's uh, uh, we'll, beastie. We'll drop a link uh, in. It's an ABC News story that we were reading, but there was an AP release um, about Pioneer Girl and its influence on the Little House in the Big Woods series. Yes. Uh, this is also a cool. We need. I mean, we've done posts on the site about cool libraries, but I feel like we've, we're we're due for another one. So this is a couple in Tehran. They have a taxi, and I guess they were having a conversation with um, someone one someday, and they're like, "Do you read?" And they got talking about that they both the 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 driver and the passenger readers. Long story short, they decided to turn their taxi into a little rolling library in so Iran great. over there. More than 40 titles, um, 130 volumes in all. So they've got a few copies of each title. Okay. They're stacked behind the back. There's a picture on there, like the windows it's on one cool, side. They've made an awesome rack that hangs off the window, like a magazine rack, yeah. I guess. It, it seems cool and probably way more nerdy than those, like, tinted stickers you could get that'd be way cooler this is way cooler than that though probably dangerous um let's see it was introduced to the quirky brainchild of let's see they've got kafka's metamorphosis charles bukowski's pulp um iranian standouts that i will not do them the disservice of butchering their name here but in the link to the article you could see that um does it say did you read it i read this i don't know do they lend them out or how does it work wait it just says when you pay the fare you can buy a book Oh, so, so it's more like a bookstore. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's a misleading headline. It should be rolling uh, <laughs> bookstore. Good job, Wall Street Journal. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to say about that, but that's pretty cool. Yeah, I think that's great. Maybe... So just where you could buy books, just put them everywhere. Right. Yeah. Uber should do this. Oh, like, when you get that's into... a great idea. I will send them tweets. Uh, when you get into an Uber... Like some of the Ubers are rolling out Wi-Fi in the cars as a partnership with Delta and the little, uh, I saw this uh, the last time I was in an Uber and the little like Wi-Fi modem thingy in the car has the Delta, I think it's Delta, has the Delta label on it. So you're getting some cross branding stuff there Uh too, but it's like Delta is sponsoring the Wi-Fi inside your car. Um, And so you're really from the future now because you paged the car with an app on your phone but they could you know they build build those like seat back covers that parents love that you can stick your kids sippy cup and book and whatever else in the back if they stacked a bunch of books on the back 
cover thingy seats. I am so articulate today. Yeah, I think that's what they call them over at Ford <laughs> when they put them together, the back cover <laughs> If you try to thingies. order them on Amazon, that's what you search for. Yeah. <laughs> Probably find <laughs> it any, too. That would be so great. It would be great to get, like if you're, you're stuck in New York traffic yeah. in an Uber, but there are a bunch of books stacked up in the back that you can pick up and and borrow or maybe maybe you could buy one. I like the idea of borrowing. Like uh, Perhaps a publisher would... Mm. would pay uber to sponsor the thing and then just put their titles in the backs of ubers the the picture about this car the shelf that we're we're admiring so it's actually on the passenger side window on the driver's side mm. or excuse me driver's side window in the back seat yeah so that's actually the window for the for the purpose of the driver you get the least information about what's going on around mm-hmm. so you can cover that and it quote one two three four five six seven eight 16 volumes fit in there, yeah. which you could have a nice little selection. I was going the way, I thought you were going to go the way where you, if you want to buy one, they just hit the button on their app and oh. it would charge your credit card right there and off, you're off to the races. Well, that you could do that too. Yeah, could do but, that too. They could have extra volumes in the trunk. If someone buys one, they just yeah. restock it. So you but only you need one copy. But you could like... Sure. Who does? I mean, I mean, Harper has the Harper business arm, yeah. and you can. And they do some interesting books, and so you could get Sean Tall on the phone. Get her yeah, on. We've got right. so many ideas for Sean. You could see some Harper Collins businessy type, like and tech type. Like think about the customers of Uber, and then think about the books that they might want to read, and mm-hmm. get those publishers to put their books in the back, and maybe you you know, get it at a discount and buy it through your Uber app, or maybe that's just a deal like that they run for a while, where you can take a book. No, that's interesting. That's yeah. Anyway, that's a call good idea. me Uber. I have ideas. We, just, we have ideas. We'll we just got Riot, Uber enrichment, Uber so I have Uber on the brain. The book Riot Uber X. I've heard of worse ideas. It's it is. We had many people actually thing. after a man and I were talking about the book Riot Mobile, calling for us to do our own book Riot Mobile. So <laughs> your 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 police have been heard. We'll not, we don't know when or how, but maybe someday. Maybe we have that other show sponsor from a few weeks ago that can do car decals. Yes, a maybe. Rap. I'll get a book riot wrap on my FJ Cruiser. Don't we'll, think I didn't price it out. We'll for have my the book riot home. Tonka truck. Don't think I didn't price it out. <laughs> I would do it. We get a little like mounted camera on the dashboard and we'll go on the road. We'll just drive around and talk to each other, it's Jeff. It's pretty expensive, I have to say. <laughs> Did you the see me deflect wrap? there? Did you see me deflect I that? did see. Okay, I, know, I wonder if you noticed. Um, I'll try not speaking to. Speaking of libraries and bookstores in usual <laughs> places, the Floating Library is a pop-up mobile device-free public space aboard the historic Lalic Museum steamship berth at Pier 25 on the Hudson River in New York City for September 6th, October 3rd, 2004. The People-Powered Library. So basically what this is, they're going to put a library um, on a boat here cool. in the great city of New York for a month. That's cool. Yeah. There's going to be public programming, um, some workshops, performances, um, how-tos, have some readings. Um, I hope they do some kids' hours with storybooks about boats and boat crafts and... To enjoy this unplugged zone, libraries visitors will power off their mobile devices and vow to respect quiet space. Oh, I want to live there. I really don't want. I don't like making vows going aboard boats. I feel like you get into trouble that way. <laughs> um, there will also be designated spaces for reading, writing, and drawing. Those things are all um, capitalized. For so dialogue. apparently, you'll be ri- reading, writing, and drawing in the 17th century. Um, <laughs> the ship's main deck will host a quiet reading ambiance. Readers can BYOB bring your own book or browse a lot. I like this. I like this too. And I am all for an unplugged zone. Like mm-hmm. if you know that that's the deal before you go aboard the ship, you just have to agree ahead of time that that's the vow you're going to make. And it seems, a so, bunch of people, seems so serious. A vow? How about you just say, okay, I agree. I, I'm not going to turn it on. A vow? Oh, so we're objecting to the terminology, but not the concept. Have you met me? <laughs> yes. That's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> terminology is concept. Well, hold on. Just give me a minute to pack my brain back into my yeah, head. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the Library of Flow and Water is always on the verge to sail. To Oh, there's some of this art exhibit mumbo jumbo yeah. language in here that just makes me want to... Well, capitalized I, nouns, Jeff. Don't be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> no. All you need is there's going to be a quiet... It's going to host... I don't think you can host an ambiance, by the way. Um, yeah, so this is Jeff's editing hour. Welcome aboard. I know. This Someone is what everyone should, tuned in for, right? We should put this in the reverse 
jargonator and de-jargon it. <laughs> yeah, anyway, it sounds like you can go aboard this boat and you turn your damn phone off and you read quietly and you just like boats and books. That's what we're talking yeah, about. All this other stuff is, is um, rubbish. The reverse de-jargonator sounds yeah. like a Douglas Adams invention. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and they should part. What was the name of the, the quiet reading night, guys? They're doing the bar the stuff? The silent reading parties. Silent reading party. They should have one on these boats. Mm-hmm. We have to that's make all a, I got. Mm-hmm for that. You have to make a that's vow. all I got. Well, they should. That. I mean, it's an ob- like that's that's an obvious oh, smart okay. partnership. So I'm obviously it's not that smart because you're it's just so you're smart, obvi- sir. I mean, Jeff, you're you're smarts in making this suggestion. No, I just, just thought it, I saw that'd be more fun. Like, yeah, they should. <laughs> I'm just it. I'm trying to backpedal. It's okay. not working. <laughs> I, understand. I understand. All right, so look I for the library on the Hudson River. Floating library. That's a cool thing. I like it. Um, let's see. How are we doing on time? You know, we got to cook along here. We do. We've been um, we've been going for a little bit. Uh, let's see. Shall we go to? Hmm. 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 Let me talk about the thing that I'm excited about. Yes. Let's How about do that? that? And then you can decide yeah. your next thing. A few weeks ago, I talked about the audiobook of an astronaut's guide to life on Earth by Chris Hadfield, who's a Canadian astronaut, and the book has landed after a very competitive situation at ABC, where it's going to be developed into a sitcom. Mm. And the TV series is a family comedy about an astronaut who is back from space and finds that re-entering domestic life might be the hardest mission he's ever faced. Oh, Lord. Okay. (laughs) Yep. Continue. Hadfield, the book is great. He is so charming and so so grounded and i thought there was great stuff in it about taking all of the lessons that he had learned about being an astronaut and working on all you know knowing how to do all of the things and just be a good teammate and not living for just the glamour moments of going into space but the value in itself of just caring about your job and what you do and being good at that and being there for the people that you work with um there was a little family stuff a lot of self-deprecating um, also charming stuff in the text about the, you know, like the cheesy sayings that he has and the little encouraging mottos and the things that his kids and his wife tease him for. So I can see him being kind of caricatured into sitcom dad. I'm going to have to go into space to get rid of, get away from you kids. Like right. Something but it like could that, also yeah. go terribly awry. Right. <laughs> I'm excited about the prospect. Gotcha. Okay. But, I mean, we've seen every possible permutation of the family sitcom. So right. Any, I guess we haven't seen every possible if we haven't seen this, but we've seen so many that like, this makes sense. I would sense. rather see like the West Wing in space that's about... The West Wing in space. Boy, you've watched too much West Wing. I'm you're so, ODing. I'm so in it. Right yeah, now. you are. You're, you're in but, the middle of it. Like, that's about the working life. That seems to be what most, ah. of, what most of his book is about is... That Mad work. Men on the International Space right, Station. Right, that work-life experience. Yeah, Mad Men or West Wing or something that's these people who work together in a high-stakes situation and how that team is put together and what those dynamics are like with the occasional vignette that is set outside of the spaceship or outside of NASA. Yes. That's what I would like to see. Okay. Uh, I think this is a good idea. I want to read this book someday. I'm gonna, I think you're really going to like it. Going to get around to that. Um, let's do one tech thing. Um, so we talked a while ago that Samsung and Barnes & Noble were getting together on the new Nook. There would be no new completely Barnes & Noble created designed hardware. Mm-hmm. And the first one has come out. The new Nook tablet, it's based on the Samsung Galaxy Tab 4. 7.0. Gal- Samsung has a way of naming things that makes um, license plates look downright memorable. <laughs> um, but the, it's based on, it's a modern Galaxy Tab. It's $179, seven inch display. And it looks here like that 179 is a sale price, but the regular ticket uh, price is going to be 199 You can get it right now, 179 yeah. includes shipping. Other thing they're doing is they're including about two hundred dollars worth of free content bundled with it. Okay. Uh, speaking of free economics, comes with free economics. Hey, Look, uh, I am number four, which I think is a YA dystopian mm-hmm. thing. You could you could do all right just guessing every book is YA dystopian. <laughs> you write a lot of the time. Uh, mm-hmm. The Wanderer, which is not something I heard about, doesn't uh, you know? I'm guessing it's about someone going somewhere. You also get an episode each of Veep, Hannibal, and Orphan Black. And 14-day trial subscriptions to 12 magazines. Huh. 
including Cosmos, Sports Illustrated, and Us Weekly. Yeah, uh, and a five dollar credit to anything else you want to buy. Interesting. So, Samsung Galaxy. This is a good tablet. It's a pretty cheap tablet. You know, it's not like mm-hmm. it's. I don't mean cheap in a bad way. It's inexpensive. It's in line with the Kindle Fire HD, I believe, in terms of pricing. This one comes with four gigabyte, or excuse me, eight gigabytes of storage. Uh, yeah. So there it is. I mean, I don't know where this is going to be sold other than online. At least Samsung knows what they're doing in yeah. terms of HD. Maybe they'll stuff. keep selling them at the Nook counters in Barnes and Noble stores. Yeah, I, I, I would think so. Um, Barnes and Noble is committed to trying to sell one million of these which mm-hmm. doesn't mean anything because you can commit to anything and not do it. <laughs> you can commit to trying. Yeah, I'm going to commit to selling 2 million of them at Barnes & Noble. Take that. I commit right now to trying to stay awake past 9 p.m. tonight. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's just what's going to happen. I'm going to try. Um, there's a new Cora Kobo Aria device coming. I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, it's the well, it's an H2O. It's waterproof. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Do that one real quick. It's going to be the largest and, quote, largest and most capable waterproof e-reader on the market. And it's a 6.8-inch e-ink screen. This is apparently there was a leaked Kobo something in French media, it looks like. And our friend Mm. Nate at the Digital Reader um, is covering. Snapped it up. Yeah, snaps that up and is covering it. So it's a the Kobo Aura is known as being a good uh, e-ink sort of tablet e-reader um this is a waterproof one so maybe it solves my beach problem of not wanting to take my ipad to the beach right it's supposed to be available for pre-order on september 1st and it retails at 179 Uh, so that's you know 20 bucks cheaper than the uh the new nook tablet will be when it's at its full price um yeah this might i was thinking this might solve the beach problem i don't remember we talked about it on the show or if you and i were just talking about it offline like our hesitance to take our ipads to the beach because mm-hmm. who wants to get water and sand in your 400 hundred dollar device right exactly um i think maybe i would buy a waterproof tablet if they also somehow made it sandproof <laughs> like what happens if sand well gets if up it's in the... if it's waterproof isn't by definition also sandproof well what if water what if, i don't know what if sand little grains get lodged in the Port? seams of the thing and the th- guy in the place in yeah, there uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. In the nooks and crannies you've been to the beach you know about sand and nooks and crannies oh do i ever <laughs> do i ever i could tell you stories um <laughs> that right. was that sounded threatening and ominous yeah I, I know it was it was you should be very scared moving so innovation right happened along. We moved. yeah the, cool the march of science I also hope that someone will buy one of those waterproof Kobos and then email us and tell us about that. Yes, please do. Uh, and with a video test, um, maybe your Cora, right. your Kobo Aura H2O should take the ice bucket challenge. And, uh, and like how waterproof is waterproof? Because sometimes waterproof means you could really dunk this thing. Yes. And sometimes waterproof means if it gets a splash on it, you'll be okay, but don't dunk it. It's, that, it's water resistant versus waterproof versus you're basically buying a submarine situation um <laughs> a book we're, submarine we're gonna use the second sponsor slot for ourselves this time because yes. we're selfish and I, I don't know if we mentioned this on the show before but if not here it goes we're doing a new email newsletter and why should you be excited about an email newsletter well here's why um our great friend um colleague and velocity reader our resident velocity reader at book riot liberty Hardy, a bookseller up uh, in New Hampshire, is going to be writing a weekly new books newsletter called New Books. Exclamation point. Exclamation point. That We added that. That's what we, that's what we call um, branding. Um, that's why every, they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> every week she's going to pick out a few books that are new and tell you why she thinks they're awesome. And that's it. Yep. That is it. And she reads more than anyone we know? Yes. I think so. I, I don't know who else we would nominate, but... Several hundred books a year is conservative mm-hmm. um, for her. She reads as many books as she gets her hands on and some that she probably shouldn't have gotten her hands on. Um, <laughs> also a wonderfully funny, astute, and uh, convincing writer. So if you like this section of the show, the new book show, she will do a better job than us telling you about what new books read because she will get to write it, which is better usually than speaking extemporaneously. But she's also just read all of the books. Some of these books, most of these books, some of them Shinsky's read already. Mm-hmm. I have not read any of these already. But some of them we're just interested in. Likely that Liberty's already read them and their sequels. 
Yes. At this point. Yeah. What else to say about it? Did I get it? No, she's just awesome. I think you got no. it all. Liberty is awesome. And we've heard like this. I think we also have to thank podcast listeners for yes. the idea to even do this um, because we hear from you guys all the time about liking the new books segment or, hey, you mentioned this title about this thing and I can't remember what the title is, what was it? And so we hear that or that you decide to read something and it, it sticks for you or something. And so thank you for all of that feedback and for uh, helping us get farther along the road to having the idea. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. The first newsletter will go out on Tuesday, September 2nd. So you can go off on your your last vacation of summer and have your Labor Day and then come back. Um, that Tuesday is the first big book release day yes. of the fall, which is the big book season, much like uh, fall is big for new movies. There's a ton of good stuff. I've seen the, the picks for the first newsletter. Um, and Liberty's taste is super eclectic and diverse. So it won't, I don't think the selections will be quite as idiosyncratic as what we put in the new books featured here because that largely depends on what I am reading and paying attention right. to. <laughs> I don't have a on-air readable URL, but there'll be a link in the show notes if you're interested to uh, click on it and sign up. Yeah. There you go. All you right. Should, tell me about a few new that. books. Okay. We got new books. We have The Story Hour, which is the latest novel by 3D Umragar. Um, I have been meaning to read her forever. Um, and I think this is going to be my first one. Uh, Swapna, who writes for us, loves her. This, uh, 3D Umargar is one of her favorite writers. And she said this was a great book. Um, it's, an, it's about a psychologist who, you know, you know, very carefully maintains her emotional distance from her patients. But she meets a young Indian woman who has tried to commit suicide. And that uh, sort of erodes Maggie's ability to stay detached from her client. Um, she, the, the client is cut off from her family in India and really lonely and trapped in a bad marriage to a man uh, who it sounds like is abusive. And so the therapist treats the, the client in her home office for free and realizes that she doesn't need a shrink. She needs a friend. Which is not a thing that shrinks are supposed to do. Yeah, haven't we violated like seven or eight things in the thing? We have, but shrinks? fiction. <laughs> oh, right. Okay, continue. Uh, so after they become friends and I guess ditch their client-therapist relationship, they become, uh, they become very close and they share secrets and revelations that could even jeopardize their bond and shake their, face, their, <laughs> shake their faith in each other. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there I didn't goes, say anything. There goes my gravitas, mm -hmm. uh, and, which I just have so much of to start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shake their faith in each other and force them to confront some of the choices that they've made. Um, interesting. Yeah, it does sound interesting. It also has a really pretty cover that's like a watercolor that fades from orange into a bright pink at the mm. bottom, I find that very appealing. This mm -hmm. looks like a book that's probably going to have deckled edges. Of course. Um, yeah, so if that sounds good to you, I take Swapna's recommendation seriously, so I would take that. Um, also out this week is Sweetness Number no. 9 by Stefan Eric Clark, uh, which is the latest book to get the Colbert, Eden LaPucky, Hachette, anti-Amazon, Sherman Alexi, Sherman Alexi bump. bump. Yeah. yeah, this is like we're way down the chain of events now. But after Eden LaPucky got the bump from Sherman Alexi talking about her novel California on the Colbert Report, and then it debuted on the New York Times bestseller list and was one of Powell's um, all-time most pre-ordered books, she went on Colbert and she was paying it forward by talking about another new book. And I think we talked briefly about this yes, one a couple weeks ago, but so it's a novel about a scientist in the seventies who works for one of the, he's a chemist and he works for a company that makes the chemicals that are used to artificially flavor foods. And they come up with this one sweetness number nine that is really great. And they use it in a bunch of stuff, but he notices that there are strange side effects to it. Like that the, the rats and monkeys that they tested on start becoming um, depressed and anxious and obese. And then, surprise, a couple decades later, this guy notices that his family members are also displaying the same symptoms mm. after sweetness number nine is widely used in products all over the place. And so he wonders if this is really just chemical side effects of the thing, um, if it's not side effects at all, but just, you know, the cost of living in the modern world is being depressed and anxious and overweight, um, or, you know, what it says about the modern state of America. Um, so, you know, good, 
middle-class angsty literary fiction. Um, highly recommended by Eden LePucky on the Colbert Report. And now it's out. And it did get the Colbert bump for well, its release. Well, good on her for reciprocating the bump, I suppose, or whatever. Yeah, it, it has a very did. appealing cover also. It does. A very nice cover. It reminds yeah. me of something, but I, I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think it's up. This one's not up my alley. I'm going to skip it. But Greg Zimmerman at Book Riot. That is up Greg's alley. He's reading it. That is a Greg book. For I sure. trust him too. Um, and then quickly out in paperback is the Snow Hunters, uh, or just Snow Hunters. There is no the. That was an extra article. Uh, okay. Uh, by Paul Yoon, which won the Young Lions Fiction. That's right. Award. I remember this being sort of buzzy last year yeah. when it came out in hardcover, and I just never quite. I haven't got heard about any of our people talking about it. To it doesn't mean anything really, but um, it's uh, about a twenty-five-year-old North Korean prisoner of war refugee yes. who leaves North Korea um, at the end of the Korean War, leaves behind his whole life, his friends and his family, and he starts a new life on the coast of Brazil. That alone, I'm intrigued. Um, but. Mm-hmm. You know, highly acclaimed. Uh, the New York Magazine said that uh, Yoon is a quotidian surreal craft master, which in Whoa. like in normal speak, quotidian like, surreal craft like, master. So, what you're really good at portraying normal everyday moments in as a being surreal weird. weird way, or or the weirdness portraying surreal moments in an everyday way, right? Surreal. You'll have to read it and find out. Quotidian surreal craft master. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, you know, I'm intrigued. Four or five hours later on today trying to parse <laughs> that one. But uh, before I do that, we should end the show. We should. Uh, so, as always, you can find us it. where, yeah, as you can, we can find us on Twitter. I'm at Reading Ape. She is at Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Uh, thanks to Audible for sponsoring the show. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash bookwrite if you'd like a free trial, which includes a free book. Um, you can always leave us a comment on the post, which we read those all the time. Yep. Show notes are at bookriot.com slash podcast. If you've got something you would like to say to us privately, you could do that at podcast at bookriot.com. That is an email address for those of you just joining the 21st century. Uh, and you can always leave us a review on iTunes if you'd like. You search for it there. Log in, say something nice, say something mean. We do care, but if it's nice or mean, but that's a place you can give us some feedback. It helps other people find out about the show. If you're into comics and you're interested in the comics site called Panels uh, yes. that we'll be launching in the fall, you can keep watching the feed uh, for this show and you can start to look for panels on iTunes. Uh, the show and the site will be launching in the fall, but we'll have a teaser for you soon. But it'll think like the comics version of this show with... People who are cooler than Jeff and I. <laughs> Absolutely. If you go to panels.net, you can get the splash page and you can sign up you can sign up to get an email notice when the site is live and ready for your um, your eyeballs. Uh, all right. Well, thanks so much for listening and Rebecca, we'll talk to you next yep, week. Have a good week. All right, bye.